Uh, I love I love this building. I love this funky upside down boat that we meet in uh, every single week. I I love it. Uh, I love the name. Uh, something really awesome happened at a place called Calvary. Uh, and even though the church or the word uh, Calvary technically means skull, and that's weird. Uh, still, something happened at the place of the skull that's awesome, and so I think that's a really good name uh, for a church. Uh, I'm not here because I work here. Uh, I was going to church here before I became the pastor here. This is where Camille and I went to church when we came back home from college and 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 seminary. Uh, I, I love it here, and, and I care uh, deeply about this church. And I understand that, that part of my responsibility as the pastor of the church is to make sure that this church continues to be an awesome place that's healthy and, and, and that's uh, focused on the main things uh, and that's doing what God has called us to do. Uh, and so every now and then, I think it's helpful for us to clarify our mission for us to really focus in on what exactly is it that we're supposed to be doing as a church. What, why do we meet here on a regular basis? What are we doing? Because I think that there's always a tendency all for every church, not just ours, but every single church, there's this tendency to drift off mission, uh, to, to wander away from the main things. I know that that's the case not just with us because a lot of the New Testament is written to churches who right out of the gate were already starting to drift a little bit. I mean, those letters that were written to those churches at the beginning of Revelation show all of the different ways that churches can wander. Uh, what we don't talk about maybe often enough is the mission of the church. And, and I think we spend a lot more time instead talking about like, like strategies or maybe events or things that we're going to do. Uh, and we can, we can kind of assume that we know what the mission of the church is, but assuming is never good, right? Assuming it makes you and I look bad. It's, it's never a good thing. Uh, a mission, uh, is something that it, it it leaks. The one, one pastor said missions like a, it's like a bucket with a hole in the bottom. It has a tendency to, to drip out a little bit. Or, or a mission is like one of those glow in the dark stars that you had stuck to your bedroom ceiling when you were a kid, right? You, every now and then you need to shine a light on it to charge it up so that it'll keep glowing. Because uh, over time it'll, it'll dim, it'll fade. And I think that's the same with our mission. Every now and then we gotta shine a light on it so that it'll charge back up again and we'll all understand exactly what it is we're supposed to be doing. Uh, when our mission and our vision starts to fade, what happens is we, we lose sight of why we do the things that we do as a church and, and as individuals. And when that happens, stuff just becomes routine. Things just become traditions. Because, you know, it's just, it's just the way we've always done it, and so we'll just keep on doing it even though we forgot why. We can start to do more and more things that might be fun things, might be cool things, but really aren't things that are, that are a part of our core mission. An example would be a church that, that had a mission of sharing the gospel, and they thought, okay, here's a great way we can do it is by feeding uh, the poor. And so they set up a, uh, a, a soup kitchen so that they could feed them and then share the gospel with them. And over time, the gospel part of that faded and 
And now they're just a soup kitchen, which is not a bad thing, but not their core mission. Again, that's why shining a light on the central mission of the church on a regular basis is so important. And it's helpful for us to ask the question, do the things that, that we're doing as a church accomplish what, what you concerning the kingdom of God? Gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which He said, you heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking Him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. After He had said these things, He was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. As they were gazing intently into the sky while He was going, behold, two men in white, uh, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the, way, the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And from that point, uh, they uh, obeyed Jesus. They go to Jerusalem. Uh, they spend time prayer and, and waiting for the Holy Spirit. They use that time to replace Judas, the one who had betrayed Jesus with someone who had been uh, a follower of Jesus since His baptism all the way uh, through the resurrection. Someone who could help, help them accomplish their mission. And there, right at the, right at the beginning, right at the, the start of this, Luke reminds us of the foundation of the church, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. Verse 3, he says, uh, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering. Did Jesus really come back to life from the dead? Did that really happen? Right off the bat, Luke says, absolutely it did. And he appeared to all kinds of people and showed all kinds of convincing proofs. It's important for him to, to start there, to establish that because it is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has secured our salvation. It was through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus that all of our sins are paid for. The wor work of Jesus has the effect of purchasing us. All our, all our debts are paid. Our heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. All those Old Testament promises are fulfilled. Luke, again, he says, Jesus presented Himself through all these convincing proofs. There is no doubt in any of our minds that Jesus is alive. One of them, one of my, one of my favorites, uh, Luke mentions back in, uh, back in his gospel in, in Luke 24. 
He tells about this encounter that two of the disciples have as they're walking uh, on the road to Emmaus, right? And, and Jesus shows up walking alongside of them, although they, they don't recognize him. They're prevented from recognizing who it is and starts talking with them. And Jesus just kind of lays out for them, going all the way back to the beginning, all through the Old Testament, how it was all about him. All the promises of the Savior that God have made are all about Him. All the hope for reconciliation with God is all about Jesus. All those examples in the Old Testament of forgiveness and sacrifice and substitution, all foreshadowing the ultimate act of sacrifice made by Jesus. There is, there is no salvation. There is no hope There's no church without Jesus. Without His resurrection from the dead, conquering death, there's no good news for us to share. There's no mission given. There's no Christianity. Jesus is the foundation. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul explains... That we who have who've placed our faith in Jesus are united with Christ. And, and he explains the, the foundation of the church. He says, uh, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We are a part of God's household. As, as members of the church. And that church is built on, on the foundation of, of all of the work of the apostles and the prophets. That's what the book of Acts really is all about, all that they accomplished. But the chief cornerstone for all of that is Jesus. It's not Peter. Sorry, Pope. It's Jesus. The foundation of the church is God the Son, and the power of the church is God the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to them in in verse 4 here of Acts, gather them together, Uh, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Oh man, how exciting must that have been, right? I mean, think about hearing those words from Jesus. In a couple days from now, you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I doubt they knew what that meant, but it must have been super exciting to think about. In John's Gospel, uh, it, it records the conversation that Jesus had with His disciples in that upper room the night before his, his arrest. And mostly He's comforting and encouraging and praying for uh, His disciples. Uh, but one of the things He tells them is that there's a helper that's coming. That God's going to send this Spirit of truth that will be with them and that will be in them. And, and, and we'll teach them and we'll remind them of all the things that Jesus said. This is a spirit that will glorify Christ. It, he'll be like a spotlight shining uh, through these men and pointing people directly to Jesus. They'll do works even greater than Jesus did, he says. 
through the power of this Holy Spirit. And the purpose of all of this is to bring people to a saving faith in Christ to the glory of God the Father. Verse 8, Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And that was certainly the case, right? As we read through the book, and we'll look at this in more detail next week, we see all these different specific examples of the Holy Spirit coming in power and enabling these guys to do some amazing things, starting with the day of Pentecost. I, sometimes I wish that the Holy Spirit would arrive in our lives in the exact same way that He arrived this first day of Pentecost, right? With uh, like a wind blowing through and like an audible sound and, and you could see like the Holy Spirit like a little fire landing on each one. That would be awesome. And, and, and the result, just an immediate transformation and bold proclamation. But just because uh, your conversion and my conversion didn't happen in quite as dramatic way, it doesn't mean that we are any less empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have that exact same Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. We have that same access to the power of God living in us. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same Spirit that brought 3,000 people to a saving faith in one day resides in you. The same power of God enabling you to, to serve and to share and to proclaim Christ boldly is in you right now. And I think all too often we forget that or we don't realize that or we rely way too much on our own ability rather than the power of the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of, of God is given to us for a reason. Uh, it's, it's not so that we could do like cool tricks. Uh, it's not so that we can uh, babble incoherently. It's not some personal private thing. The power of God through His Holy Spirit is given for one single reason, and that is to accomplish the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is the bold proclamation of the Gospel that there's salvation found in Jesus Christ. Verse 8 again, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. What's the purpose of the power that will be given through the Holy Spirit? Jesus says right here, it's so that you will go and be My witnesses. It's to do all of those things that I told you that the Holy Spirit would empower you to do. Remind you of all that Jesus said. Convict the world of sin. Give you the ability to boldly proclaim the truth. Open blind eyes. 
Their marching orders from Jesus here are simple. Go and share this good news of salvation with the whole world. Which is just a, a restatement of the Great Commission that Matthew shows us. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John uh, gives us a mini version of this great commission as well. Right after... Jesus tells them about uh, the coming Holy Spirit. Jesus prays for His disciples. In John 17, praying, Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Your Word is truth. As You sent Me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That's kind of the plan. It was kind of always the plan. God sent Jesus into the world to suffer and to die and to atone for our sins, to make this way of salvation. And then Jesus sends us into the world to go and, and, and share that good news, to be witnesses of what He's accomplished. There will be a time when that mission is accomplished, when it's finished, when it's done, and, and Jesus will come back. But until that day comes, we are to continue with the mission that He gave us. It's interesting that, that right here in Acts, the disciples ask Him, is it time now? Like, are you going to establish your kingdom here on earth now? Now are you going to get rid of everybody else? And, and Jesus says, nope, no. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about when. It's really not for you to know when. That's a God the Father thing. You just go and be witnesses until you see me again. And, and with that, Jesus ascends up into heaven, and they all stand there staring up in the sky, their mouths open for so long that, that God sends a couple of angels to come and, why are you guys staring at the sky? Like, get to work, <laughs> right? You know what you're supposed to be doing. Why are you just standing there? Go do what he told you to do. The mission of those first disciples and every other disciple that would ever follow them, including you and I, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, and we know, we know that that's still our job, that that's still our mission. We know for sure that that's still something that's on us. How do we know that? Because the clouds haven't parted and Jesus hasn't come back the way he left. When that happens, we'll know, all right, we're good. We're done. We're out of here. The mission of this church, Calvary Baptist Church, is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the mission, uh, the, the, the job, the responsibility of each and every one of you as followers of Jesus Christ is to advance the gospel. Our mission isn't to fellowship together better, although I love doing that and that's fun. That's not our core purpose. Our mission isn't social justice. Be people that care deeply about others. 
especially those who are hurting and marginalized. Our, our, our purpose isn't to, to come to church so that we could pay some sort of weird penance for all of the bad things that we did throughout the week or to secure some sort of blessing and comfort from God. But like we come into this place to be better equipped to go out there and do the mission that God has given us to accomplish. As we work our way through the book of Acts over the course of the next few months, I want us to spend some time digging in a little deeper into what it means, like specific things that it means for us as individuals and as a church to advance the gospel of Jesus. What does this mission mean? How do we do it better? How do I, as your pastor, better equip you to accomplish this mission that Jesus has sent us on? Our foundation as a church is the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And our mission is to go out there and bear witness to this great salvation that's found only in Him. God, I thank You for uh, this Word that You've given us. Thank You for the reminder that You give us through the Bible. All that You've accomplished for us. Lord, You've saved us and You've sealed us. You've made us Your own. Thank You that, God, even though You are all-powerful and You don't need us, Lord, You use us. There's good works that You have created in advance for us to do. You give our lives purpose and meaning and value. Help us, God, not to be content with lesser things, but to be passionate about accomplishing the mission that You've called us to. Give us opportunities, dear God, to share this hope and this joy, this new life through Jesus that we found with others who need to hear it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.